think in journalism, we don't talk about ourselves, we don't talk about our trauma because it's always about the person we've done a story on. And I couldn't, for the longest time, come to someone and say, you know what, I'm really having a hard day. I just interviewed a parent, a parent whose teenage son stabbed her two younger children to death and she couldn't stop it. Her story is more traumatic and more important any day of the week. How, where do I get the right to go talk about my mental health? And so I didn't until I was in trouble. And so we need to more, I, I, I want to, and I advocate with, to reporters. We need to talk about our mental health. We need to normalize talking about mental health. We need to normalize talking about the fact that we're in trouble. And we need to educate the managers who are not aware of what trauma looks like to provide them information so they can make better assignment decisions. Right. So I know that's well, a really long answer well, to no, your question. It, it was a very um, appropriate answer. And, and so with that said, <clears throat> you know, we let's shift from, from media personnel suffering, um, you know, trauma uh, from, from the stories that they've covered, right? Mm -hmm. I know that it would affect me. Um, let's move to the K-12. Right. There's an event. Let's just, you know, at a high school. OK. Uh, mass shooting. Um, staff comes back. Students come back. Do you feel like there's enough resources that are put in place after these particular types of events to monitor the mental health of those individuals who've come back? Um, let's take let's take Santa Fe or Uvalde, mm -hmm. for example. Uh, well, let's take let's take Uvalde for example. May of 2022, that happened. Okay, we're about to approach the second year anniversary. Um, May of 2022, from May until September, is a very short period of time. Right. And there, I just don't think. My opinion is that there's not enough mental health resources to ensure that those individuals who fulfill or were fulfilling their pledge to continue to educate those children in that community mm -hmm. um, or any town in America who suffered such of a, a tragedy, I don't think there's not, there's enough resources in the world to make sure that all of those staff members and students that are coming back um, are there or they're, uh, effective. And so how do we get to a point where we're training our staff, um, our superintendents, our cabinet members, our school board members on what's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say? Is that something that you at Vic Story can do for these individuals? You know, as far as communication with these individuals who may have suffered some type of trauma? Is that something that you do? I have partners who do that. Okay. I have partners who are trained um, victim advocates because okay. that is victim advocate language and victim advocate okay. approach. I would have strategies as to how you would communicate with your community, what messaging to put out to just remind people that it is okay to feel maybe the way they feel. Right. Right. There are proven... There's, you know, a list of after the um, Boston uh, Marathon bombing, um, 
the agency that handled and helped with the victims there just put out like a, a list, short list. You can be feeling like this. You may have loss of sleep. You may not want to eat or you may be eating too much and just put it out um, around the city. And the num I was told a story that a number of people that came back to that person said, I'm not broken. I just feel this way. This right. is what trauma looks like. Mm -hmm. We just need to communicate with people what trauma could look like in them so they can... <clears throat> I don't know if you can ever feel right or normal, that it never comes back. It's a new normal. But, yeah. Right? I agree with that 100%. And, um, you know, um, for me, um, you know, I'm not afraid to say this, uh, that, um, you know, uh, having been someone who, you know, experienced certain levels of trauma, even throughout my childhood, you know, and everybody's level of trauma is different, right? And I think that's what we need to understand is that some people's trauma is defined or looks different than others. Mm -hmm. We still don't discredit that individual it's who is... It's not a competition. Is, it's not a competition. You're 100% correct. You hit the nail on the head. It's not a competition. And um, for me, I was always a really stressed out kid. Like, you know, love my parents. They were the best parents they provided. Um, but my parents just did not get along through the divorce mm. or after the divorce. And so, you know, as I got older and got into a stressful job, uh, you know, listen, I've never claimed to be anything that I'm not, but there were certain levels of stress that I think that the majority of us were under, which, you know, of always feeling the need to be, uh, right, uh, all the time or having a no-fail mission that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you don't really attribute at the time as trauma, but that certain level of performance of being held to a higher standard after a while begins to kind of wane on yes. you. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in the National Threat Assessment Center and what they talk about, you know, those pre-attack indicators, the mm -hmm. observations of behaviors and early warning signs. And what I know through data and research is that there's always some triggering event that sets a person into motion. And for me, it was the death of my father, you know, in 2019, January of 2019, which created this complete downward spiral where, you know, not that things weren't important to me. It's just, I started noticing the same signs and symptoms and early warning signs in myself that I had been teaching our staff about, that I had been speaking across the nation about. Mm -hmm. And I'm diagnosing, you know, I'm not a medical professional, right. but I'm, I'm self-diagnosed. You do this enough and you, you kind of yes, learn, you, you know how it. to do this, yeah, right? Yeah. Don't need a PhD to tell me that something's wrong. Right. And, um, you know, for me in May of that year, it was, you know, May of 2020, um, after being, you know, completely uh, tried to be, you know, I, individuals in certain groups tried to completely destroy my character mm. um, based off lies, um, which later came out, you know, and it mm -hmm. was exposed that it was all lies. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was hard for me to handle and it, I wanted to be violent. And mm. it was, uh, you know, finding myself in the hospital in May of 2020, uh, thinking that I was having a heart attack mm -hmm. and having a very conscientious doctor that had suffered the same symptoms that I had prior 
when his father passed away mm. that led me to start going to get counseling myself. And so, you know, um, I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Adam Sines, who is very well respected in the, in the mental health space. And him and I talked, um, we've talked before, and then I've talked to, you know, my doctor and then a therapist um, at the time. And they're like, look, man, mental health doesn't care how strong you are. Thank you.